bitch, you need to hear this. Hello, hello, and welcome to the bitchiest podcast in all of the land. Bitch, you need to hear this. And I am your bitchiest host, Katie P. And I am rolling with our Women's Month theme this March. I believe this episode's coming out. God, time is just flying by, you guys. And we, I've, the episode today I've wanted to do for a long time. I have done a couple of episodes with the topic of abortion. When Roe v. Wade happened, we did one. I've talked about my own story on here several times. And every time I do an episode, a lot of you are inspired and touched by your own experiences. And I have recently learned in the last three months that there is a profession called abortion coaching. And I am just fascinated by this because I wish that I had known this three years ago. So today I have brought an abortion coach onto the show. I have Amanda Kingsley on the podcast. She hosts her own podcast. Totally the whole show is about topics surrounding abortion called Speaking Light into Abortion. And she, you know, dedicates her work to her clients of processing and healing through their experiences. So thank you so much for being here today, Amanda. I'm so excited. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. And for talking about abortion on your podcast. When you get like special bonus points in my book. (laughs) No, well, the bitch you need to hear this is all about, you know, talking about women's issues that are not encouraged to be spoken about in most spaces. And abortion's a very, very near and dear one to me because of my own experience. But it's just also so stigmatized. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's high on the list of things we don't talk about. That's for sure. Yeah. And one in four women have had an abortion. And, uh, you know, I've said this in previous episodes, like everyone that you know, know someone that's had one. Everyone. Everyone No matter what faith, no matter what class, no matter what ethnicity, everyone knows someone. Yeah. So how did you get into abortion coaching? Like how, where did you come upon this? How did you discover this? I mean, it's pretty easy guess, my own story. Yeah. I had my first unplanned pregnancy in my late 30s. So I fully married my high school sweetheart. And we had, you know, we had a miscarriage along the way, but we had four intentional pregnancies and we were done. We were just done having kids. Well, we thought we were done. And my IUD fell out. I didn't know it fell out until I found myself pregnant. And so it was just like this. For me, it was a difficult decision to make. And I've listened to your, I didn't listen to an episode after Roe v. Wade, but I was, I was like binging your story <laughs> episode. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, it like you, it was a challenging, like it was, it was hard. It wasn't just cut and dry, like get, get me the pills as fast as possible. And I'm never going to think about it again. It was a challenging decision to make. Um, mm-hmm. and it was a struggle afterwards in ways that I didn't expect. Yeah. And I felt I had been on a journey of like women's health. I had studied a lot about pregnancy and birth and I did some years in midwifery school and I was a doula. Like I was in the world, but I did not understand abortion until I went through it. Mm -hmm. It was such an eye opener. I felt like the only way I describe it over and over again is like, I just felt like I fell in this big hole. (laughs) Like where are all the resources? There's nothing. There's There's nothing. Nothing. I, so, and I talked about that on my, like, Roe v, after Roe v. Wade, that episode mm-hmm. is titled, like, Aspects of Abortion No One Talks About. Yeah. And one of them is that when I was going through, like, when I had made the decision, I was probably going to do it. I needed to figure out where to go, whatever, how to. And then when I was struggling afterward, there's no, there's no care. There's no level of yeah. care. My OB was like, yeah, you can call a hotline, I guess. Exactly. Like, what? <laughs> like, what are you? 
what do you mean and call a hotline? They're like, we don't work with you unless you're carrying a pregnancy to term. Like, you don't work with me. Like, this is still an issue with my uterus. Like, what? Like, it was absolutely mind-blowing to me. Yeah, it's a very weird experience. And again, until you go through it, you don't realize how little it's being talked about. (laughs) No, literally, yeah. It's just like for me, I came from a feminist lens. I was just like happy, hold my pro-choice sign. (laughs) I mean, I didn't think it was a choice I would make. Same, yeah. I was really committed and I really identified as a mother and I love pregnancy and I love babies. And like, (laughs) you know, it wasn't a choice I thought I would make, but that's how most things happen in life. Like the biggest impacts are the ones we don't anticipate going correct correct uh yeah i i lost my turn <laughs> <laughs> what was i saying the lack just like falling into a black hole like the lack yeah. of just resources and just being so isolated yeah kind of during it really that time. really just was yeah i was saying like you know i held my pro-choice sign i was like yeah women's right women, women's empowerment like i'm a good feminist yeah. yeah and then i just i didn't understand that that belief system would not then lead me to feeling amazing after I made this choice like control of my life and like I stood up for what I needed I stood up for what I wanted and so I just had this misconception that I would feel empowered afterwards even though I was sad making the decision just because I I just had mixed feelings, but I still had this illusion that I would somehow feel powerful afterwards. I don't know, like, like yeah, I exercise my right or something. Yeah, <laughs> not no. So yeah, coming from such a strong women's health and reproductive like world, mm-hmm. it it was pretty quick that I realized like oh, I'm the one who's just supposed to start filling in this hole. I obviously can't do it alone, but like I can start offering some voice to this conversation. And that's that's amazing. So do you do this work full time? Like you don't do any like of your doula work or any of that? Obviously, those skills are incorporated into this, but you primarily focus on women. Yeah. I mean, I have general life coaching clients, too. So I am a full-time coach and then okay. I, I do have general life co- Some of them have worked with me around their abortion and then we just talk about their relationships and their parenting and their jobs. Mm-hmm. And, right. But I do have some clients who just come to me for general life coaching. But yeah, I really commit my, the majority of my time and energy to talking right about abortion and women's health. I'm making a slight pivot. Just because I'm realizing that we as people with like uterine bodies, right? Like whether we keep them or identify or like whatever, we've got like, we've got crazy parts. We got crazy hormones. We go through these cycles. Yeah. And we do a lot of compartmentalizing, right? It's like, this is my mommy part and this is my abortion story. And this is like when I tried to get pregnant and couldn't. And this is... And we do a lot of compartmentalizing. And so literally, like, just in the last few weeks, I'm starting to ask myself and talk about how can we put it all together? Like, we are whole humans with these really amazing and intense reproductive bodies that come with all kinds of challenges. And so let's let's talk about it all. But yeah, mostly I talk about abortion. Well, and it's layered. I mean, you know, a lot of the trauma that I and grief, I mean, trauma and grief for me went really hand in hand during that time in my story but for me like what came up at the time was just I had a really hard time processing my grief over it and when I went and sought out like that emotional piece I mean I had a fantastic therapist but I wanted to talk to somebody that was like this is what they talk about this is their specialty and there really isn't that many people out there doing this work but also, most of the people that are doing this work, it's so heavily Christian centered. And I'm all about like spirituality, but I'm not like I don't practice Christianity. And it was all about like denouncing your choice. Like you regret it now and like you would never do it again. And like asking like, for forgiveness. And yes. Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And none of that is empowering at all. And that was all I had available to me when I was seeking you know, healing, like spiritual healing 
from my experience and how and have support with my grieving of that. Yeah. And, you know, it just it, it just I don't, it just felt so disenfranchising. It just felt really discouraging. Like I just yeah. I'm like, this is it. This is all there is for women like in 20. It was 2020. And I'm a psychologist, you know, like I, I am a mental health provider. Like, and I'm a doula. Like I have right. a doula training, too. And this is all I can figure out. Like that's like, exactly how I felt. Yeah, I have. Uh, I've talked about a lot over the years and started compiling, but it's so hard to put together. I'm trying to put together like a resource list of therapists who openly talk about abortion. They yes. have experience. They because and and even so, I think I have like three people on the list. It's so hard. And every therapist I meet, I'm like, do you know of a resource that? And they're like, no, that would be a great resource. I'm like, yes, yes, it would. It would be, it'd be awesome. <laughs> be great. But why do you think no one wants to do this work? Like, why do you think they're, I mean, besides, you know, like the, the glaringly obvious, you know, women, you know <laughs> yeah. oppressed and whatever. But like, besides that, what do you think like is the hardest part about this work or why people are so resistant to, to taking it on? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, it just seems... Like the the glaring obvious points have to be the only ones. I think it's, it's a um, systematic thing for sure. I I wish I had a good. I feel like I should have a good answer to this after all these years doing this work. But I think that a lot of us, even those of us who are healers, and I'll I'll like put you know therapists and psychologists like uh, whatever, even medical healers, but. Anyone in that line of like helping people with healing, mm-hmm. I think the vast majority do not share like what their personal stories and they remain very like almost rigid about removed. What, yeah. And so to do this work well, you have to really put yourself out there and you have to really speak your truth. And most humans don't know how to do that. Even the one, and the reason I said like healers is like, even the ones who are helping other people do that, they're not all yes. doing it themselves. Correct. It's insane. But so, yes. Yeah, I, I don't know. I should have an answer and I don't. But it, I mean, it is the glaringly obvious. It's that it's a women's issue. It's a heavily stigmatized one. It's a highly controversial one. There's so much judgment that comes along with this decision and it's i mean it, as a professional it's you know it's something that's hard it's a lot of people i'm sure I'm like i'm not touching that with a 10 football i don't want to get sued i don't want to get you know yeah, exactly and and yeah. i think you make a good point there's and people are afraid of their own story or connection when i really think about it that is ultimately i think probably among the number one issues is that they have every time their own story their sister story their best friend story their their teenager like whatever it is like i i think that it's it's the only thing that makes sense other than the obvious but the obvious shouldn't be that in the way for people of the healing professions like to want to really so what yeah why aren't we past the point where we can talk about controversial things I didn't think it's well, personal. I, I think a lot of it's personal. And I think, too, you made a good point earlier of being in the pro-choice side of it. Like, we're supposed to be really empowered about abortion. Like, how do we remain pro-choice but talk about our grief and sadness around our experience? And I had a ton of that. And I had no idea where to, and like you said, too, like, you had no idea where to put that. What box does that go in like my grief and sadness about something that I know I have a right to do I believe that women should have the right to do but it doesn't mean that I feel well if happy it's about it. weaponized against us right like if you're mm-hmm. sad that's proof you shouldn't have done it it's proof it shouldn't be legal it's like we're just not supposed to be sad like we're not supposed to have her re- I mean most people I think don't have regrets no, what, if, what does most mean? I have no idea. A lot of people don't have regrets and a lot of people do have regrets about their abortion. But even that, like people regret their marriages all the time. I was going to say, I think it depends on when you ask. Care? Yeah, when it depends on when you ask this question too and how the person process it. If you would have asked me yeah. a couple months after my abortion, I would have said, oh my God, I regret it. I totally regret it. Now you're, now I'm, 
three, almost three years out of it. And I'm like, no, I don't regret it. I don't regret it at all. And so it's like, when you ask me where I'm at and my healing and processing of it, and for women that years and years down the road regret it, a lot of them didn't have an opportunity to do that healing work exactly. and that didn't if have I that have, support. Totally. If I have shame or grief or guilt or regret, or if I have unprocessed negative feelings and I don't know what to do with them, of course, I'm going to wish I could go back and make the choice when right. you said you're a spiritual person. So I'll just say like, when... What I think our spiritual journey as humans, like the point is to work through that stuff. (laughs) The point is to feel it and move through it and understand it and be curious about it and grow from it. And so when we're running from that, of course, we're going to regret the choice because we just don't want to face the the sadness. We don't want to face the pain. We don't want to face the shame or the guilt or the. And so many people still don't tell anyone. They don't tell their family. They don't tell their friends. No. It's a I mean, secret. it's crazy. It is. It is. What do you like? I mean, that was one of the things I was going to ask you, too, is, you know, every time I make an episode like this, minimum of one, but usually it's way more than one person either reaches out to me like via social media or in person and shares with me their abortion story. And they're like, I have never told anyone this. Like, you're the only person that knows my abortion story. And I appreciate people, get, you know, letting me hold the space for them and to hear their story. I, like I would, I, I want to hear everyone's stories. That's what this show is for. But it, also, it makes me sad that like there's no space for you to hold the story in it. And you know, maybe it doesn't keep you up at night. Maybe you've been able to stuff your story in a box and it pretty much stays dormant in there until you hear things like this or something triggers a memory. But I think part of why it's so stigmatized is that real women keep their stories quiet. They don't actually share their abortion story. Yeah. Yeah. We're not very good at supporting each other. (laughs) No. I remember breaking down and crying and asking myself, like, I'm trying to remember, was it someone else who asked me or was it me asking myself? The point is, the question was... Is this mine or someone else's? This grief I'm feeling, is this mine or someone else's? Was the question I asked. And there was an element of it that was mine, but a lot of the sadness was just collective. It was this like deep awareness that there was so much unprocessed collective grief. And I felt like I could touch it. I could hold it. Like Going through this experience like tapped me into so many unhealed stories. And I know I sound like a little energetic woo. Like, what does that even mean? I love the woo. It felt like, yeah, some of this is mine, but most of it is just generations and generations of people and stories that have not got to talk out loud, have not got to process, have not had a chance to be seen in their sadness. Yes. And I think for me, I think that was true for me too. I think also for me, my grief about my abortion tapped my fear about and grief and about every other insecurity in my world. And so it was like, I I didn't, I guess it took this experience for me to connect how deeply this, my desire to be a mother was with this fear that I was unlovable with this fear that I wasn't gonna I didn't I was unlovable so I wouldn't have a partner to be become a parent and it just it started to like really go deeper than just oh I made the decision to terminate a pregnancy it was so much there's so much more spider little legs going everywhere other than that I you think know that's one of the reasons I I love this work so much is because it's really pretty intense. It's so raw and mm-hmm. so vulnerable. You can't deny all those connections you're talking about. Right. There are other things in your life where like maybe you have an incident with a job or a friend. And yeah, if you want to, you can kind of put together the pieces and go like, oh, this is connected to that. And I have the same right. story here and there's a pattern here. But the rawness and the vulnerability of abortion, it's 
strips us to this place where we can't not see those connections. Yes. yes. I shouldn't say that because there's plenty of people who don't see those connections. But well, the, when you do the work, you will. If you do the healing work. Yeah. <laughs> it's so layered. I mean, do you have my book? Probably should have said yes. my book. No, I don't. Yes. I, I listen to your podcast. I don't. Hear- yeah. There's a poem in there somewhere that's like, it's not about abortion. It's not like we think it's the abortion, but if it was the abortion causing the problem, then everyone would have the same problem. It's like, right. If the tonsillectomy caused these feelings, everyone would have the same feeling. Right. right. Some right. people have abortions and they don't have the grief and they don't have the shame and are impacted by the stigma. That's because we have so many other layers. Mm-hmm. If you're coming in with other layers of grief or other layers of shame about your relationship or your career path or your family, like, and you add one more layer of shame and you're done. Like, it was not about the abortion. The abortion was just the thing that showed you all those It was a catalyst. Yeah. It was a huge catalyst for me. And I think it depends on what you ask me for my healing of, like, how I process things. You know, I think now, like, more recently, the abortion was a huge catalyst, I think, for me to go inward. Whereas, like, everything that happened in my relationship, I had a lot of shame about, but it was externalized. Like, that Mm -hmm. was, like, him versus that was so internal to me. And that was where within a couple weeks after that is where everything started to change as far as my mental health started to decrease, decline. And, you know, it it really was this catalyst for this to some deep, deep, deep grief that they triggered like inner child work that needed to happen that had been just laying dormant that had used so many every excuse in the book to avoid or to justify or you know whatever it was but it it reminds me one of the episodes I listened to you of yours is it's episode 166 on your podcast turning abortion into a spiritual experience Mm -hmm. and I what I think now three years later I said I don't regret it I it was this huge catalyst is that it really did put me on this path of bringing me back into alignment of, I believe, what my soul's life purpose is. But that was really hard to get to because what I thought was my purpose was to be a mom. And then I made this choice to end this pregnancy. And, you know, like, again, like, again, goes back to all the layers. Yeah. But it was think for someone like you to be doing this work like I that's what I needed then like someone to just <laughs> me not, <too. laughs> like tell me not like tell me it's okay or I needed that too but I needed someone to be able to talk about it in a way that wasn't like gonna bring up my catholic guilt yeah <laughs> yeah know? like that's the last thing we need is more catholic guilt <laughs> exactly you know and so that it was just now I've had all this time to this healing work the show and even just telling my story you know, how powerful is that? Just telling, just speaking your story, even if you do nothing with it, even if you don't post it or you don't share it with the world, but telling someone your story and seeing it as a potential of this catalyst to help you find your purpose. And you guys, I'm talking more about elective abortion versus, you know, if you you're you're carrying a pregnancy and you had to have a medical abortion. Well, not a medical abortion, that's not the right term, but you know what I mean? An elective, that's the right yeah. term, right? Yeah. When you choose to have yep. one, you're choosing not to be a parent. It's not that, you know, there's some type of birth defect or something. Yeah, that... and it's like termination for medical reasons. But it's yes. so funny because it's like, so my mental health wasn't a medical reason. Like, Right. <laughs> I was a stressed out mother of three who was done having kids. And like, that would have put me, I mean, it's just my story, right? That would have put me in a mental health place that was not good, not well. And so, yeah, who defines? I love the perspective about abortion from Judaism, which is whatever is in the mother's well-being, like that's number one. That's where we start, mother's well-being. And it doesn't matter if it's like physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, like her well-being is the medical reason. It's enough. Done. Yes. Um, For the mother's well-being defines a 
fetus's well-being, a child's well-being. When moms aren't doing well, babies won't do well. And that's, again, that's what the pro-choice side of the argument aisle says. How has your work changed since this has become, again, recently very mm-hmm. politicized and very publicized? It hasn't changed a lot. And every time it got like real loud in the news, you know, even like we just went through, we're recording just after what would have been the 50th anniversary of Roe. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of like went through another wave. But there's been all these points along my years where it became a topic of conversation in the news and for a lot of people. And I can honestly say every time that happened, I thought I'm right where I need to be. Like, I don't need to do anything differently. I just need to keep doing what I'm doing, doing what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. There hasn't been a lot of change because when I see what's happening in the news, it would be, it'd be very easy for me to be like, Abandon ship, go change the laws, abandon ship, raise money for abortion funds. But I always come back to this place of this work is part of changing the laws, right? Like when we're open, when we're talking to each other, when we're sharing ways to heal, it does change that piece. So personally, it has not changed much. But in terms of people reaching out, like definitely more people are triggered. You know, that, like yeah, they can't I was turn wondering the about news that. on without hearing about abortion. And so they yeah. have unprocessed feelings if they have healing work they still need to do or thought they did. It's definitely affecting more people. But then on the positive side, they are seeing more people talk about it. So it's like pluses and minuses yeah, from my guess, perspective. I would think, it, I wouldn't, well, I guess it wouldn't surprise me to hear that Maybe more people are seeking your support because either they're triggered or because it's being talked about more. It's more of a, do you have clients that, do all of your clients reach out to you after the fact of their abortion or do you ever get, have like abortion type counseling where they're trying to make a decision? Sometimes, sometimes the vast majority, like 95% are after. But that's because of the way I talk about it. I talk mm-hmm. about it from a very after perspective. I market about the after experience. Like I tell stories about the after. So people do reach out, but mostly I'm working with people after. Yeah, that are processing. And yeah. yeah. And there's a lot to process after. One of the big things for me, like immediately, was that I needed to process after was not I guess like I just the doctor did not prepare me very well for like what to expect from the process of the abortion and I talked about that on my one of my episodes about I think after Roe about like they you know because I had the the medical abortion or the pill and they were like oh just take ibuprofen it's gonna be like a really heavy period no big deal And that was not my experience at all. Maybe for other, I don't know. I don't talk to a ton of women about the nitty gritty of their experience, but that was not my experience. I thought I like passed an actual fetus. There were tissue and it was like, I knew it was very conscious of what was happening. And it wasn't like, oh, I'm just on my period. It wasn't like that at all. It was very painful for me. I, not very many people have vomiting. I did look that up, but I like throwing up. I felt yeah. as I was passing it, I felt my cramping in waves that almost yeah. mimicked like contractions. Totally. And, and my like contractions. Yeah. And I'm like texting my mom about it. And she says, as it was going on, I'm telling her how I'm feeling. And she sounds like you're having contractions. I'm like, they didn't, yeah. like, they did not prepare me for this. They said it was going to be a period. This is not a period. <laughs> I know, but you're bringing up like even just another layer of. What does that even mean? It's going to be like a period. Some people everyone's take periods work are so off different. when they get a period, and yes. other people are no big deal. Yes, as women, as uterine-bodied people, there's so much vagueness in it all, and so much. Oh, go home and figure it out. You'll figure it out. You're strong. You'll figure it out. Just text your girlfriend. <laughs> yep. Yep. No, I would actually like some medical advice. I would actually like some. Like, yeah. some 
therapeutic psychologically support. prepare like... me <laughs> for this yeah yeah absolutely and there's so many layers sometimes i wonder if we had more people helping people make the choice right like if you had more support in making the choice would you have a smoother experience moving through it and then would you have a different experience afterwards like of course you would but again it's just the whole the vast whole of what needs to be addressed is cute unfortunately even the decision making process is not very well supported it's like no it's you know, no. I, and I think care providers are tend to be afraid. It's like you decide and then I'll help you do what you want to, what you decide. But I don't want to talk about it with you too much. Uh, no, my doctor wasn't talking about it at yeah. all. Call mm-hmm. a hotline. I'm like, I want to call. I want to talk to my doctor. What do you mean call a hotline? I know. And I felt like I'm the kind of person who, and I refer people to free talk line support. But I'm the kind of person who was like, I don't want to talk to a random stranger. I'm sitting in front of my doctor and I'm sitting in front of you and you're telling me hotlines are amazing if you don't have access to care. If you need something in the moment, you need information. I refer my clients to hotlines too. But when you're sitting in front of your provider and they're like, and it's such a huge part of your anatomy and your care. And it's, that's like, and they're like, no, I won't talk about it. Yeah, this and there's the you. whole piece of going to your general care providers, your women's health care providers, and then being sent to a clinic. Like, why am I sent to a clinic? You know what to right. do with my uterus. Like, you, yes. you're perfectly capable of caring for me. Yes. So, what is that? What message is that sending when you tell me, no, go to the clinic? I can't help right. you. It's like a very, like, it feels shady and, yeah. Yeah. It felt very seedy. My whole abortion felt very seedy. Like the clinic I went to, I felt like it was a factory of like just women being like carted in there like sheep. And like there were the protesters outside and it was like the really, it was a bad part of the pandemic. So no one was out and about. So it was just extremely traumatic in that aspect of it. And that, yeah, it was just this like seedy, it felt like a seedy backdoor abortion clinic that you know like it's like hush hush like and there was no counseling like I when I made the appointment they're like so you first you'll do your abortion counseling and then you'll have the actual appointment so when I hear counseling I'm like oh they're gonna actually discuss with me the decision yeah, they're gonna learn no. who I am and how I feel and what I, yeah. what I want in my life no. no you guys they don't they don't do that yeah. anyway that was not my experience it was literally just like a script mm-hmm. of is anyone coercing you into this they're required to show you like what stage of development in photos your fetus is at you have to look at the ultrasound of your fetus you're entering the path of no return type of like doomsday it felt like you know yeah. it was very doomsday very and it was just so of experience and no it doesn't have to be empowering but can we at least hold space for the, our emotions about it can we be a little bit more supportive a lot. I, I vote a lot. You know, <laughs> a lot. Even a little would be nice, though. I would take a little, a little over nothing. A little would but, be nice. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that something like that you hear a lot from women that they just felt really not surprised by their actual experience from going to the appointment to the actual yep, procedure? I get or... totally. It's a mix. It's a mix for some people. It was really loving and supportive and for many, not at all. But Mm. I do think this came up when you were talking earlier. I think I am a white woman. I had access to care. And I remember feeling like because of my privilege, because I could even get to a place to have an abortion, like I should just be grateful. Like Mm -hmm. I shouldn't complain because there was people in the country who like couldn't even get to a clinic or they didn't have access. And so I think a lot of us are not talking about it for that reason, too, because we feel bad. It's like, well, I should just be grateful that I had, that I could get the procedure. And now I have all these feelings like I don't want to mess up. It's just a, it's a mess. 
It's always guilt. It's always like guilt. Yeah. And then I have guilt about my guilty feelings or my grief feelings. (laughs) Or it's like, I shouldn't have these feelings. I'm lucky that I had this done. I'm privileged. And I don't say I'm lucky that I had an abortion. I feel it was my right. And I exercised my right to do, to choose how to treat my body. And I appreciate that. And I appreciate that there are a lot millions of women that don't have that same capability in where because of their their circumstances where they live their financial I mean I don't even know anyone that has abortion covered under their insurance like everyone's self-paying it you do I did wow I I wow mine was covered through my obstetrician so I actually got my care in my well women's office versus going to a clinic but I, I think it's 1%. I'm pretty sure the statistic is 1% of abortions happen. You're the first person life. I've ever talked yeah. to that had it covered. I didn't it's have to sell so it. And rare. I had good insurance. It's so yeah. rare. So Mine rare. was. They ended up covered. paying the $40,000 worth of my hospital me- mental health hospitalization bills from it. <laughs> they did pay for the procedure. It's so ridiculous. Whatever. It's fine. <laughs> Don't. Don't help. Don't counsel me. Make you a decision. Send me to a hotline. Send me to a clinic and then reap the consequences of that. Uh, really, it's uh, well, it makes you actually bring up an interesting point that I have heard from other people and I don't know enough about, but there's a lot of money to be made in women's health care. And you make more money when people are uninformed and. Yeah, I don't even want to go down that road, but you bring up a very interesting point. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's like all like the big pharma. Do they really want people to get mm-hmm. better or mm-hmm. do they want to keep making money? You know, there, there, there are, there's an argument for that. It could say the same thing about a lot of big entities like that, like prisons, school to prison pipeline, keeping mm-hmm. kids on certain tracks to fuel the prison systems. I mean, it could, it, it is such a systematically ingrained thing into our the way that our society is built upon. But yeah. yes, it is. Women are the, one of the victims of that, and I definitely was. But luckily, I have the, the privilege to you know access the healing modalities and was able to find my health and stability again. But there's still, I feel, so much in general that like you, you're saying with women being uninformed, that we just don't know or understand about our own bodies and about how to recover from having elective abortion or how to even like how to take care of ourselves, like our sexual health in general. You know, one of the questions I wanted to ask you is kind of related to that. Do you have a lot of women that share about like their experience, if they experience acute depression afterward? as being some, and I don't I don't even know if there's any science to this, and I feel like I should know, of it kind of being like almost a form of PPD, postpartum depression, like there is a, a surge of a hormonal change in the body after having the abortion procedure. Yeah, I mean, for sure. You're, if you're prone, to, it's sort of like childbirth, right? Like there are people mm-hmm. who are prone to postpartum depression. And so mm-hmm. I think it's very similar to that. A lot of the hormonal shifts are the same, of course, depending on how far along you are. Right. Uh, there is a term. There's totally an abortion-specific term that's kind of controversial, like, whether or not we diagnose someone with post-traumatic abortion, whatever. I I don't know for what it is. I don't use it. I'm not a clinician. I think as with everything, there's benefits to labeling and benefits to not labeling. It's just like, what's going on for you? Let's Let's talk about it and let's help you figure it out in a way that that's useful for your life versus here's your diagnosis and now I identify as this diagnosis um Mm -hmm. I think I think for me it's more just like understanding my body not so much like the diagnosis or the label of like PPD but yeah I've noticed a trend in my life of having these big episodes surrounding a large hormonal change on birth control for the first time 
had this really acute depression episode when I was 17, got an abortion when I was 26, had a very acute depressive episode that I, with behavior, suicidal ideation and things that I never experienced before this Mm -hmm. like huge hormonal change. And so obviously, Mm -hmm. yeah, I am just apt to that. But I think there's so much that we don't know about it. And like when I have talked to my, my OB about it, they just kind of look at me like I have five heads. And I'm like, no, I, I mean, obviously we know there's a link between mood and hormones, but I'm sure that there, I'm not the only woman that has gone through an abortion that had ex, had really acute mental health symptoms happen right after. It, it, like, and it isn't, it, yeah. it's more like a chemical change <laughs> versus, yeah, I had a lot of trauma and situational stuff going on too. So like for me, it was really layered and, I treated it as it was and found the healing and it all worked out. Yeah. But just, I don't know. I feel like we you just don't understand my body. You are definitely yeah. not alone. For me, I like even listening to your your story podcast is like, I wouldn't have been someone you had would have talked to in that, like those early days, right? Like you really needed therapy. Oh, I was sick. Like you needed yeah. medical care. I'm working with people who are not in that place. So I, so when you ask, do you see a lot of it? No, because it's not in my scope of practice, right? My scope of practice is like- And you don't often have to refer for that? Are women finding you more long-term after their abortion or women finding you more often like right after? I'd say more often right after within, within a month or two after. Okay. But I have two clients who hired me 30 plus years later. So I was, and I I'm wondering it too, because of like the, <laughs> it's all the there. length of time. If you had, would have to refer more if people like were acutely like right after having no, no, I mean, okay. it's just kind of the standard, you know, are you functioning? Are you going to work? Is this the kind of depression where you're like, not able to feed mm-hmm. your other children or yourself or is this the kind of depression where like I keep thinking about it and I get sad are we yeah. in a clinical place or at a and a lot of my clients see a therapist and or a psychiatrist too so mm-hmm. they're coming to me for the tools of life coaching which are much more like how do I thrive how do oh. I understand my brain and my heart and my spirit in a way that helps me reach my goals like feel happy. I've had so many clients who I remember the call where they say, I haven't felt joy. I haven't been happy in Mm -hmm. since whenever. And now I feel that again. So yeah, it's just, it's when you say, do you have a, like, I have it all. (laughs) I see everyone. I've seen so much. Yeah. And, and and no woman's story is the same, right? It's the same thing, you know, as a doula, which I go with birth stories. Everyone's birth yeah. story is so different. Everyone's yes. abortion story is so different. It's like a fingerprint. But I think... So many repeating patterns, right? Yeah. Beating, your, exactly. beating yourself up. Mm-hmm. Um, what if thing, like the what if spiral is really intense. So replaying the past, questioning relation. I think one of the biggest impacts... Most people have, at least the people who come to me, is there. It's a, like the abortion experience says effect on relationships. It's hard yeah. for me to relate to my partner now. Mm-hmm. Um, there's often a lot of blame or a lot of resentment. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, I used to be so close to my mom, and now I I can't tell her what happened. Um, a lot of people come to me. I am not a religious person, like I'm a spiritual person, but I don't have a particular religion. But a lot of people come to me with religious kind of programming and stories that they're trying to unwind. Um, Most people have an identity shift. I thought I was this person and now I'm this person and I don't know what to do with her. I don't know who she is. A lot of people remember back and they are in disbelief that they made the decision at all. There's a lot of mm-hmm. like disbelief and there can be a lot of disassociation during the process, partly because it's a thing that most people act quickly, right? They yeah. want to make a decision quickly. They want to get an appointment as quick as they can. And so you're just kind of like running through, running through, running through. 
And then you come out the other side, like what just happened? Yep. I don't know what just happened. I don't know who I was. That wasn't me. I don't even remember. And again, there's levels of that I'm perfectly capable of supporting people through. And then there's levels of that's No, this is like a clinical mental health trauma at this point that you need to talk to somebody else about. But most of the stories are the same. I think there's so much value. I did an episode earlier in the season about fit coaches versus like mental health clinicians and how to, when and how do you select when to work with whom? And that was, that's all, that's been a theme for me the last few years of when did I tap into my the therapy and the psychiatry yeah. and when did I tap yeah. in to my coaches and that ebbs and flows and changes and has changed over time. And the scope of practice is it's important to kind of differentiate when you do need that like specialized care as I did for a time. Yeah. But it's funny, like the most healing part to me from my like whole experience not that there was any moment that I was like and I'm healed now but when I look back I was in my partial hospitalization program and we're in group therapy and I was processing and for the first time in a long time I'd been like talking about that I had an abortion and I was I was crying about it and there was an older woman in my program like probably in her 50s or 60s and she just looked at me very matter of fact and she's like do you understand that you are a mother And like Mm -hmm. you made the best decision for your baby that you could have and kudos to you for doing the right thing. And it was such a simple thing. And she was so calm about it. And she was a patient in the program. I wasn't even a therapist. I love it. I wasn't even a therapist. And I just remember just it really just gave me a moment to pause and be like, yeah, that is what I did. That can be how I look at my story and how I choose to remember this decision versus mm-hmm. this decision ruined my mental health. I had a client actually who the wording has evolved over time, but I had a client who at some point said, this is how I parented that child. Yeah. And it was like, became this, that was the choice of motherhood. I think it, I felt that way with my own experience and I still, I named her like, I still feel she's here in a different way. Like her energy is here. And I don't know that it was a girl who make all that up. Just a story in my head. Um, yes. It's very much a maternal instinct, right? Mm-hmm. To protect yourself and that being. How many people have abortions because the, their lives are not safe for children? That is a right. parenting choice to say, right. I can barely feed myself and my other kids. I can't bring you in. That's a parenting choice. Or I'm not well enough. I'm not in a healthy relationship or whatever it is. Like all of it Mm -hmm. is a parenting really. It's a choice. Do you know, have you heard that like studies how in any release of a pregnancy, a filter, maybe a miscarriage or an abortion that all the cells rush into your body? That freaks some people out and other people are so comforted by it. (laughs) I was just trying like a couple months ago. I was because I read that somewhat recently. And then a couple months ago, I had a friend that had an etopic pregnancy. Yeah. And I wanted to send some type of visual that said that because I was like, oh, that's bad. That'd be so comforting to me. I know. You know, going through that and I couldn't find it. But yes, talk to me. I have it bookmarked because I send it all the time. I send it all the time. Send it to me so I can Uh, There's an episode on my podcast where I talk with a woman who wrote about it. Beautiful. I'm I'm definitely going to listen to this. It's just this research study that shows that when we, at the moment of release of a pregnancy, whether it is an early miscarriage abortion, so a spontaneous abortion, an abortion by choice or a birth, that we get this rush of cells from that tissue into our body. And so later, if we have something like a cancer or a condition, if you go to the point of disease, of disarray in the body, like physical... I'm just going to keep using the word disease. So <laughs> any, any issue in the body that needs extra attention, mm-hmm. uh, you will find cells of that tissue from that baby at the point of need healing the mother. 
right? So if I get breast cancer later, all my babies, my living and unliving ones will be there to help me. Like they're in my body. Their cells are in my body. It's just like wild. It's so crazy. I love science. (laughs) And no, but it really does feel also, it is really healing, comforting, I think. I think it's very in a spiritual, I guess, woohoo way. You're like carrying that with you and I but even if that isn't comforting to you and you're listening to this it's also I mean it, like we carry our story with us physically yeah, and that's I mean, one it's way like of we caring. carry our parents genes some of us wish yeah. that weren't true right like right. I'm not one of those people but like it's no different I exactly. wish I didn't have the genes of my genetic pedophile grandfather not mine again but I'm just saying it's just part of being human right. so if you don't like it yeah I get it. And it is very comforting for a lot of us in this. If it don't apply, let it fly. Otherwise, you know, do you have something like that was really healing for you? That like really was not like a catalyst of being like, I'm healed now, but like that you just was really memorable for you. That Mm. that was really impactful. I do. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, I know, I know I do. And it's a really weird story and it happened kind of early. And I never remember if it happened before I made the decision or after I made the decision, but it was like a spiritual awakening that shifted everything for me. Kind of like just a perspective shift. Mm -hmm. And I made a decision that I don't recommend to people, which was to just YouTube. Like I went on YouTube and like asked a question, which can be really a bad idea with the word abortion in it. Yeah. (laughs) But this YouTube, that's risky. Like video. I don't know what I was thinking. I just assume I was guided by angels because this video popped up and it talked about the souls of these babies come just wanting to test the waters. They know they're not going to be born. Like you're fulfilling their journey to not Mm. be born. Like they, some of them just want to dip their toes in the water. What would it be like to be human? Some of them will come in and leave and then come back to you. And it was just a spiritual YouTube video about it's kind of not up to you. It was never up to you in the first place. This is that soul's journey. Whether you like it or not, this is what's supposed to happen. The crazy thing about this YouTube video is I watched it. Everything changed for me. I mean, it's obviously never like instant healing, but that huge perspective shift. And then I never found the video again. I literally wow, you were divinely guided to that. You I've were. so many times, it's crazy. My, um, my mom and I are very into the woohoo yeah, of, of life. Yeah. And right, like maybe a month after mine or it's less than that, we did a, we sat and did a reading and that yes. was what the medium, medium. had said to me. Mm-hmm. She was like, yeah, you have souls that are kind of like waiting in the wings that if you choose to bring them into fruition but that was this soul's journey this like that was your journey and it yeah. that was also very memorable and yeah. healing at the time too I think there, there is usefulness in using spirituality and healing from an abortion experience and it doesn't have to be that you wish you didn't do it and the catholic guilt and all of that you can use your spiritual beliefs to empower your yeah. your decision. I do see if I had to make a generalization, the people who have the greatest leaps in finding peace and comfort and freedom have some kind of spiritual connection to that baby. They've named mm-hmm. it in some way. They've wrote letters to it in some way. A lot of people got tattoos or have some kind of altar, but there is something and I don't think everyone has to do this, but there's something very deeply healing about making that connection. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mm-hmm. just what I see over and over again. And again, I don't think anyone should do that until they're ready, since it's not something you should force upon yourself. But even just to know that that's possible to make that kind of connection in some way, it's it's a game changer for a lot. Of is that kids. something you do with your clients? Like take them through those kind of like experiential exercises? I do. Like naming ways. the baby or writing letters? I don't have, like... I work with every client differently. So I don't have like a process that I go through. But yeah, there's definitely many exercises I offer when I feel like people are ready. Yeah, And I always wait until I feel like 
they either ask me like do you think you know what sex it was or do you did you name your baby and that mm-hmm. I wait for that cue that they have some curiosity or mm-hmm. they'll say I read something that and then I bring it in because it's too much for some people it was hard for me I was like all gung-ho to do mm-hmm. like all the other stuff but it was it was really soon after I feel mm-hmm. like if I would it would have been proposed to me now I would be more willing to go there but back in the very like first I wasn't ready like it was something that was kind of pushed on me when I wasn't ready yet yeah yep yep but since then have I I've dreamed about my baby Mm -hmm. I I feel like it was a boy you you know like those and being able to talk about that openly even like yeah I'm talking about it right now like a very public forum (laughs) but just talking about it to anyone yeah. In general is very healing and just speaking it out loud. Even if you just speak it out loud alone, if you write it down, there is yeah. something very, very healing about that. Yeah. Yeah. Letting I it think a huge red flag is people come to me saying, I can't say the word. Like if you're really yeah. struggling to hear or say the word, like get help. Find yeah. someone to help you get to that place. Because like you yeah. said, if you can't even admit to yourself, you know, I had an abortion or, and for many it's multiple. For for many people, it's not one abortion. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's multiple abortions. That was Um, surprising to me when I learned mm -hmm. that. But yes, Mm -hmm. many, many people that have carry a lot of shame have two or more abortions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's so much healing to be done. And so many people are just like anything. Healing work is hard. And so it's scary. And it's so worth it, though. I mean, most of my clients get to a place where it's like, I had an abortion and then it's like finish that sentence because of that experience this is who I am because of that experience this is what I created because of that experience this is what I learned and I do think that is so much of the work is like being able to see it and turn it into something even in the thick of my pain driving to the clinic I knew that if I could go back and hug that girl, that version of me, because I said out loud, like, I owe this to the future me, to that girl. And you owe it to, if you're sitting here listening to this and you haven't processed a lot of your pain, first of all, kudos for listening. Because I have a few listeners that like, if they see abortion in the title, they're like, I'm not listening to that episode. Sorry. <laughs> They'll openly tell me that I can't listen to it. They're just still very, very triggered about their experience, but haven't processed their experience. Can't, can't go there yet. And my hope is for everyone is that they can go there eventually and that they can talk about it with people that they trust and they find those spaces where they can speak their story out loud or write it down in a way that feels safe and protected. You don't have to be like us and speak to the public whole fucking world about we had one. But we're needed too. We need mm-hmm. to do it so that other women can feel safe to do it in private spaces. Yeah. That's why I do it. That's why I share my story. That's why I talk about it so candidly and the things about it that I didn't expect or no one told me about. Or we talk about that so it can empower other women to do this to do this work because, like you said, it's so worth it. It's, it's so, so worth, worth it. it. It's so worth it. So worth it to feel healed and peace about this choice that i mean you can't change it It, you know it once it's over once you've made the choice once you've gone through it it's done and your only ability now is to move forward and process your grief and find peace and healing and yeah i hope that there are more coaches that come that happen for this because of this stupid just this week i learned about a new someone who was newly moving into abortion coaching and i wish you could that she could have seen me like listening to her announcement video. It's, I, unfortunately, because of like, like you mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we are so careful and so cautious about who's doing this work. Like, do they have an agenda? Is there a religious motive behind the work? And so I would um, just add, we do need more people, but we need more people doing it without an agenda. We just need yeah, more people doing, doing it. it. For- to help outside other women heal of religion outside yeah. of and bring in religion that's fine like i talked to plenty of my i post about it on instagram today like 
I talk to a lot of my clients about God, but having a relationship with God is very different than living by the word of the church. Well, and using it for shame. And using like it you, against yourself. Yeah. yeah. Using it to shame, blame, and yeah. punish yourself and, you know, the yeah. God fearing and all that. There are spaces for that type of abortion work. And yeah. we need more of the the less religious, the less churchy, the less preachy. We need people, coaches that are healers that can hold space for other women to hear their story, to facilitate their healing, to just provide resources and be a guide yeah. to walk this path, you know, that we all, almost every woman I've ever spoken to that's had an abortion has felt so isolated and so alone in her path and her, and to have someone that can just be a little guide and a facilitator down this journey where you're yeah. unpacking some really deep sometimes very painful memories. What a gift that if we can just push that message out and more people pursue that work, can find it. You know, again, I am, can I reiterate guys that I have a mental health background and I also am a coach. I'm one of those like woohoo therapists that like, you know, mm -hmm. love the coaching and astrology yeah. and human mm -hmm. design and like That's all so that. Good. And I love blending both worlds and I had no idea where to go for abortion-centered healing. Like, yeah. I just had no no concept of that. Yeah. And my therapist didn't either. And my therapist was like, you know, that, yeah. that's a space. Yeah, that... I have a lot of people who are afraid to even tell their therapist. Yes. Uh, it's hard to tell somebody that you're struggling because of your abortion when you don't know their personal perspective, right? Yeah. And when you have a, a trusting relationship with a the therapist and you don't want to lose that. Like they've helped you with 10 other things. You don't want right. to lose that. And then you hide this part of yourself. It just breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. I think it's a domino effect. You start, you hide this really big thing that happened to you. And then you're just hiding more things and having a hard time processing your emotions about other things mm -hmm. because it triggers your emotions about this thing that you have hidden and your abortion becomes a thing and not an abortion. Right. You can't even say the word. And yeah. I'm grateful that I was able to engage in my healing work like right after and spend has spent the last several years continuing that. And I think like any painful event, different things are going to come up for me at different points in my life. When I do pursue motherhood yeah, in the that's future. The point that a lot of people come to me. Yeah. Yeah. I bet. I mean, there's yeah. so much. So many things that can come up through that yep. grief and, yep. you know, like sadness, guilt, whatever it is. And yeah, I think if there's a different points in me, your life. Like, I mean, who who's done more work than me around? <laughs> like not many people. <laughs> um, but even for you, I'm entering perimenopause. And so every once in a while, I face that little bit of like, OK, my choice is I'm not going to have this option anymore. And so that's a place where I sort of do that. Like, oh, I could have had that for. Uh, so, yeah, I even I'm waiting for that those moments for myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. it's it's lifelong, right? Any any loss, any grief, any trauma, any sadness. Like we said, those cells are in us for the rest of our lives. It's something that we're going to carry with us forever. One in four of us have this experience. So many of us don't talk about it. And I'm just so appreciative that I have a space where I can talk about it. And there are other women that are dedicating their careers and their lives helping other women talk about it. And you said, say you have a doula background and you're in the birth world before. <laughs> so to have kind of that niche and that knowledge, I'm just so appreciative and grateful that you're doing this work. Yeah. You guys go check out Amanda's podcast, Speaking Light into Abortion. And I'm going to go listen to this episode about this study and more because I'm fascinated by this entire it's thing. It's pretty far back. There's like, yeah, I was like, I would have <laughs> jumped on that like a fly on shit had I found that episode. So, <laughs> And I'm going to make sure. And in that episode is the link to that article. You definitely want to book that for a few. There's a few articles that I just bookmark and send like whenever. Yeah. Like when I send to everyone 
at the end of their pregnancy. There's a great article about like the waiting days before you have a baby. Ooh, yeah. There's like these certain articles that I'm like, yes. and now you let me give you this article. <laughs> yes. For me too, it's like these certain Instagram accounts or whatever. Yeah. When someone's like at the whatever stage of pregnancy or postpartum, I'm like, and now you need to look at this person and everything that, you know, yeah. Don't totally. worry. Your go-tos yeah. for sure. Yeah. But if no, you can't you find said, the episode, let me know. And I'll, I'll yes, I'll make definitely, sure I'll, if I find it, I will link it for you guys in the show notes of this episode. If you're interested in watching it, yeah, definitely check out Amanda's podcast. How do we find you on Instagram? What's your Instagram handle? I'm Amanda Star, S-T-A-R, Kingsley everywhere. It's actually my middle name. Well, that's your real middle name, Amanda <laughs> real Star. Name. You're a star. Um, I love it. Yeah, everywhere is, it's easy. And it's um, really easy to find me just by Googling Amanda Abortion. Yeah, so a lot of us. There's not many of you. I'm glad that you're easily findable. You guys definitely check out if you're feeling like you're struggling with your decision or a past experience that you've had. Amanda, I mean, you've just heard her and I chat for an hour. What a lovely, you're just so calming. Your whole energy oh, is like you. just very lovely. And that's what you want to coach. So definitely check out Amanda's content, even if you don't, you're not looking for coaching, but you're, you post really inspirational stuff. I've been following you. Funny stuff. stuff. <laughs> I love your stuff. And I just send saw me Glennon an address, Do I'll mail you my book. I will. I, and I just saw <laughs> Glennon Doyle, like, liked your little comment about she I know, I was like, some podcast or some post about <laughs> Roe v. Wade. But yeah, she keep finding Kamala. us in spaces. Yeah, Kamala yeah. was talking about. Yeah. Keep finding us in spaces where women are talking about their experiences and are empowering other women to share theirs. That's what bitch you need to hear this is. I'm going to keep having women on the show and we're rocking through season two doing that work. So thank you, Amanda, thank you. so much. Thank you all for another amazing week. And just, I, I don't want to say I love the topic of abortion, but I do love talking about I stigmatized. Do. Like I do. <laughs> I do love talking about these stigmatized topics that nobody wants to even touch with a 10 foot pole and talking about it in a way that feels really healing and just gives women a space to reflect yeah. on their own relationship with this topic. So it's been a good one, you all. It's March. We're walking on with International Women's Month or Women's Day and we're doing all these women's health episodes this month. So mm -hmm. we're rolling it. We're rolling on with March until Next week, this has been another lovely episode of Bitch, You Need to Hear This. 